You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Terry Wong. It's great to see all of you, and I thank you for all those who are visiting today and being a part of our worship. Uh, we're still here in the fellowship hall. <laughs> we're still working on our sanctuary. One day it will be gorgeous, and we can all worship together face-to-face, but right now we're going to worship the Lord together uh, here in, in our fellowship hall. Uh, just a quick announcement. After worship today, a big semi-truck is going to pull in the parking lot with our 160 sanctuary chairs, and so I need your help unloading the truck, uh, putting them in the house. We had a choice, have them delivered at 12.15 on Sunday or Tuesday morning. And I thought, well, Tuesday morning, Pastor Steve and I would just be here by ourselves. <laughs> okay, Dodie will be here too. And, uh, or can I get a bunch of people to help? So if you can stay and help, boy, we would appreciate your help. If you need to leave right away after church and you're in the main parking lot, you need to move your car. <laughs> Otherwise, the truck will block you, and you'll still have to help us. <laughs> uh, look, look at our planet. It's a beautiful planet. And I was reading an article uh, saying, what makes Earth a special place? Why is it so wonderful? Why in the movies do space aliens come and want to take it from us and take all our resources? Well, it's very unique. They say one reason why Earth is a special place is its place in the solar system, the third planet from the sun. It's just the right distance from the sun. Too close and we'd burn up our atmosphere. Too far away, it'd be too cold to grow anything. And our orbit around the sun, the 365-day orbit, is just right. It enables to have seasons, which are needed for plant and animal cycles. And then the Earth rotation on its own axis, the 24-hour rotation, gives us night and day, and it regulates our temperature to keep us from uh, having extremes. And then they say Earth has two, u- two unique temperature regulators. You know, Venus is just on fire all the time, and Mercury, Mer- uh, Mars is either too cold or too hot. Uh, we have an atmosphere which protects us from uh, the huge amount of energy the sun gives off. It also protects us from meteors. Otherwise, the Earth would look like the moon with the craters all over it. Our oceans uh, keep us at a certain temperature and prevents huge fluctuations in the Earth's atmosphere. And then the third thing that makes us so special is Earth's biogeochemical cycles. Biological, geological, chemical cycles. These cycles are driven by the sun's energy, and so our water is recycled. You know, water falls from the sky, it, it's used by the animals and plants, gets soaked in the ground, then it's evaporated back up in the sky, and, and then once again, it rains again, the cycle goes on. Well, carbon, Oxygen, so many things are, uh, every atom on the earth is either reused or recycled. We live in a living planet. It's unique in the world. You have to think about it when you read the story of creation in Genesis chapter 1 that God put a lot of thought, energy, time into creating this wonderful planet. It is very special. And then God said to us, go, uh, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over it. God has given us a wonderful place to live. God has been good to us. Now, this is the message the prophet of Isaiah gave to the people of Israel 2,700 years ago. He said, God has been good to you. 
And so today, as we look at Isaiah 5.1, it says that I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. Isaiah is saying, I'm going to sing about God. I love God, and I'm going to sing. You know, when we love someone and the richness of that love fills us, we want to sing. And I don't know if Isaiah decided that the people weren't listening to his message, so he decided to write a song and sing it to them instead. You know, if, if I can sing a song to you, would you listen to the sermon a little better? I don't know. I don't want you all run out of the, run out of the parking lot, into the parking lot. But, so he's like, I'm going to sing a song to the people. And this is a song of the vineyard. Isaiah 5, when I will sing for the one I love, a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. And so uh, this passage is talking about God and how he created a vineyard called the people of Israel, the people of Judah, and he did everything for them Uh, provided for them, and then when he looked for good fruit, he only saw bad. Well, this passage is talking about us today. God put us in this planet, planet Earth. He put us in our own vineyard. What does God see when he looks at you? So our first thought when we look at this passage is this. God has given you everything. God has given you every resource, opportunity, and blessing. And so in this passage, the landowner decides to plant a vineyard. And planting a vineyard from scratch is a significant amount of time, energy, and resources. So the first thing he does is pick a fertile land, but the land's covered with stones. And they say Israel is just loaded with stones. That's why all the structures in Jesus' time were built with rock. There's just plenty of rock. And so they take all the stones, clear the stones. They use the stones to build a wall around the vineyard to protect it. And then he plants the choicest Vines, just the best vines for this vineyard. Then he builds a watchtower to guard the vineyard. Maybe it's a place to store tools or for the workmen to, to rest in. Then he builds a wine press to process the wine. God invested in the people of Israel. He brought them out of uh, Egypt and slavery. He gave them the promised land. He blessed their lives. And so God in this passage is the landowner. The vineyard represents Israel or us today. We are made from the best vine, the best stock. We are made in the image of God. God didn't make us with cheap stuff. He made us in his own image. And then God made a wine press in anticipating of producing wine. He built the wine press before the first grape uh, was was born uh, because he expected to produce good wine. He expects people, uh, good fruit from the people of Israel. He expects good fruit from you and me. Now, what is fruit? Jesus says, I will know you by your fruit. How do I know that you are a Christian just because you come to church? How do you know I, a pastor, am a Christian? Well, only God knows, but we know, Jesus says, I will know by your fruit. You produce good fruit, good spiritual fruit. It is evidence that you belong to me. If you produce bad, rotten uh, fruit, It's evidence that you do not belong to Jesus. So whether you are a believer or not, God has given you everything and blessed your life. Let's look at Matthew 5, 45. He, talking about God, causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. Think about your life. Whether you're a believer or not, 
God has given you a wonderful life. I mean, just being born in the United States of America is a blessing. He filled your life with promise and purpose and every resource you will ever need. He's given you opportunity after opportunity to be successful. And he is looking at you now, wondering if you produce good fruit or bad fruit. So let's talk about the bad fruit. What is the bad fruit? The bad fruit in this passage is prideful and selfish. Uh, verse 2 again, he looked for a good crop of good grapes, but it only yield bad fruit. Now, the bad fruit wasn't necessarily rotten fruit. It's just fruit that was not tended or cultivated. And what happens if you let your crops grow, your fruit trees grow without any pruning, without any fertilizer or watering? Well, the, the, the branches get really long. If it's like a grapevine, they get really long. There's too much fruit on it, and then the fruit tastes bitter. Uh, it's small. It doesn't taste very good. And so the bad fruit the people of Israel were producing was prideful and selfish. Despite of all God's goodness, they produce bad fruit. And where does bad fruit come from? Bad fruit comes from a bad heart. And where does a bad heart come from? Bad hearts turn bad. Hearts turn bad when the seeds of sin take root in our heart and they take over our heart. Now, uh, we're not going to cover verses 8 to 25, but verses 8 to 25 list these bad fruit. And you can look them up later on your own. They're pretty, they're pretty self-explanatory. They're covetousness. Uh, they wanted other people's property. They would kill to get it. They were just drinking all the time. They were carelessness. They wasted their resources. They didn't use them. They were deceptive. They lied to each other. They had pride, driven by pride. They practiced injustice. They didn't treat people fairly. These, are, these all start as sinful desires, which become sinful attitudes and turn into sinful actions. And the problem with bad fruit is it makes us feel bad, right? You know, we get a, a little spurt of joy when we steal something and get a possession we want, but it soon fades away and we feel bad. Does this describe our world today? Covetedness, drunkenness, carelessness, deception, pride, injustice. Sounds like it does to me. Uh, the 75th anniversary of the issue of Forbes, look at this cover. This is actually 25 years ago, and, it, and the, the, the theme of the magazine, the cover says, why we feel so bad uh, when we have it so good. It's talking about living in the United States of America, and this is like from 1980, the 75th anniversary. Why do we feel so bad when we have it so good? People living in America live better than any other person on the planet, and yet we seem so depressed. Even today, we have technology and advances that make life so easy, but yet we seem so depressed. We're not happy. The article went on to cite the alarming loss of values, of absolute truths, and meaning in life. What is gone wrong in this wonderful world, in this wonderful country, on this wonderful planet, with wonderful technology we feel so bad. Why are we like this? Well, Abraham Lincoln answered it back in the 1800s uh, when he said this quote, we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. We've forgotten God. God gave us that vineyard and what did we do? We thought, we, it's our vineyard. We made this vineyard, but God made the vineyard. We took credit, we took all the resources, and used it 
for ourselves. President Lincoln was right 200 years ago. We have forgotten God, and today it hasn't gotten better. I, in fact, I say it's gotten worse. Why is there so much pain and suffering in the world today? Why are there so many broken lives and broken homes today? Why is homelessness and addictions and abuse like an epidemic today? We have forgotten God. In fact, we've forgotten how good God has been to us. God has been so good, and we have been so bad. We have gone from God is so good, that song we used to sing, to I don't know, I don't believe, and I don't care about God. So we bring these things upon ourselves. And we see that the next truth is this. Bad fruit produces bad consequences, right? You're selfish, careless, uh, prideful. You're going to produce bad consequences in your life. And so Isaiah is saying about his people and pointed out in his song about how good God had been to them. God gave them a holy law, a wonderful land, and they broke the law. They defiled the land with their sins, and they failed to produce good fruit for God's glory. So in verse 3, Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have, what could have been done for my vineyard that I have not done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? God is saying, what more could I have done for you? I gave you every opportunity. I gave you the law. I gave you the land. I gave you my love. And all you did was sin against me. He asked them to judge the situation. Now God will bring judgment upon them. He would remove his protection and provision. Then verse 5 says this, Now I will tell you what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. That protective wall is gone. I will break down its wall. It will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated. And briars and thrones will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. They had everything. Uh, they sinned with it. Now God was going to take it away. They would face complete destruction and devastation. That beautiful vineyard would become a wasteland. And, of course, this happened in 586 B.C. when the Babylonians came into Israel and to Jerusalem, destroyed the city, tore down the temple, sold, stole all the gold that was in the temple, tore down the wall, took the people into slavery back into Babylon. This came true. Uh, they suffered the consequence of their sin. When we forget God today, we will suffer the consequences. We'll suffer the same consequences. We will lose God's protection and provision. And those consequences start today, and they also come tomorrow. You know, when I counsel people, when I watch the news, people tell me about their pain and problems. I can tell that today we are bringing these consequences on ourselves. We, because we're selfish, because we're, uh, we covet, we envy, we, we struggle in relationships. We bring pain and problems on ourselves. We don't, need a, we don't need God to punish us. We are punishing ourselves. We hurt ourselves, and then we hurt the people around us. And then tomorrow, we will face consequences too. And they are eternal consequences of hell and separation from God for all eternity. We need to return to God. We need to repent and realize that God is so good. So let's talk about the good fruit that God desires. What does God want to see in your life? What kind of fruit shows that you belong 
to him. Isaiah 5, 7, the song goes on to this. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. God wants to delight in us because we are his children. He looked for justice but saw bloodshed, for righteousness but heard cries of distress. Isaiah is very clear. The vineyard is the people of Israel. In the same way, God created each of us and placed us in our own vineyard today. Our vineyard is where we live. Uh, it might be our families. Our vineyard might be our neighborhood, our workplace, our school place. These are areas that we are supposed to work in and cultivate for God's glory. And we're supposed to make, produce good fruit in our lives and the, the people around us. See, our lives should bring joy and delight to the Lord. You know, when you were a little kid and you were born, your parents were hoping that you would be their joy and delight, that you would make them happy and bring joy. And after raising three, three kids with my wife and I have eight grandkids, man, they are a joy and delight. But what happens if that joy and delight turn into misery and disobedience, rebellion and selfishness? It does not bring uh, joy to you. When they bear good fruit, it brings joy to the Lord. So let's talk about the two fruit that are mentioned in this passage. The first one, these are a little different because this is Old Testament, um, a little different, but the fruit of righteousness. This is what God wants to see in your life, a fruit of righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? You know, is it doing the right thing at the right time, the right way? Yeah, that's, that's it. But I really think it's simply that you're right with God. You're consistently right with God. You know his will. You're grateful for it. You obey it. You love God when you do it. You are right with God. And this only happens when we are in a committed relationship with God and not a casual one. When we are searching God's word, when we know God's will, we obey it, we find joy in it. Not a casual relationship. We are right with God. The world around us will be right. That doesn't mean you won't have pain and problems. That won't mean you won't have trials and troubles, but you are right with God. And when you are right with God, you'll have joy, contentment, and satisfaction. The love of God flows through you. Then the fruit of justice. You know, the, the, the fruit of righteousness, righteousness simply means you love God. The fruit of justice means you love your neighbor. You care about them. Uh, you treat them fairly and with respect. Instead of being consumed with bad fruit like covetousness or drunkenness or pride, you'll look out for the best interests of others. But instead of seeking justice and righteousness, God only saw bloodshed. What's that bloodshed? Because the rich people wanted somebody's land. They couldn't get it legally, so they would have the person killed. They'd kill the husband so that they could steal the land from the widow. That's what God saw. No justice, no righteousness. Now, one of the commentaries I read made an interesting point about this passage. Uh, as you know, when I preach, sometimes when I preach, I use words that have the same first letter, you know, like I might talk about our pain and God's promise, you know, pain over here, promise over here, to show the contrast between our choices. And Isaiah does the same technique in this passage. So look at this next, oh, this slide. Um, okay, you got to think Hebrew. <laughs> think Hebrew words. So the justice, word for justice in Hebrew is pronounced mispat. And it was replaced with bloodshed, mispo. So when he's saying, you know, I look for Miss Pat, but I got Miss Poe. 
you know, I, I was looking for justice, and I got bloodshed to show the contrast between what God expected and what the people gave him. Righteousness, Sedekah, was replaced with distress, Sedekah. You know, the same sounding words, but a completely different meaning. And, and so my idea of using the same letter, you know, in my outline, that came with Isaiah. Isaiah started it. Not me. I can't get anything for it. God expected good fruit. He expects good fruit in your life. What did he get? Did he get the complete opposite? That's what he got in the people of Israel. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus would expand on what that good fruit looks like. He'd give it more clarity. He talked about the fruit of obedience, which is really righteousness. If you love me, you obey me. Uh, the Apostle Paul talked about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. Isn't that just justice towards others? He talked about the fruit of the harvest, how we're supposed to do the work to bring people to salvation in Jesus Christ and discipleship. God expects to see good fruit in your life. Are you bearing good fruit? So God gives us all this good stuff. We look at our next point, it says this. How should we respond to God's goodness? God has been so good. God has been good to you. How will you respond to God's goodness? Um, remember this song? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Okay, I sang. I'm sorry. I punished you. Thank you. Put me on YouTube, I get a million hits, and I can enjoy my retirement. You know, God is so good. If you think about your life, he's been good to you. I remember this song, and I just thought of this song when I was writing the sermon. I haven't sang the song in years, but I know every word. You know, then it goes on, he answers prayers, and there's a few other stanzas in it. We need to embrace simple truth like this. We need to embrace it and realize that God has been good to us. I don't care what your pain or problem or trials and troubles are. God has been good to you. You know, when I was uh, going through some difficult times with medical issues and getting painful exams, you know, which are kind of embarrassing because of my problem, I would sing Jesus loves me to myself. I would because it's a simple truth we need to hold on to. So how do we respond to God's goodness? First, we need to be grateful and give glory to God. We need to be grateful and recognize that God has given us everything, but we deserve nothing. And even though we sinned against God and produced bad fruit, God says, well, I love you so much. I'm going to send my son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin and rise from the dead to forgive you of those sins so you can have an opportunity to do good again, to bear good fruit. We deserve nothing, but God has given us everything. Ephesians 1.3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not just a few, every spiritual blessing. We need to remember the big things in life. We need to remember the little things in life that God has given us and praise him and thank him. I am, I am just grateful for the miracle of life. You know, when my first daughter was born and I heard her cry, Jennifer, I remember saying to myself, God is real. Now, I've always believed in God. I've always believed that he existed. But here was tangible proof a living being God is real. I mean, it moved me to tear up. I mean, it was uh, amazing. 
I'm grateful for laughter, just to be able to laugh, because when you laugh, it brings a smile to your face, even if you're sad. I love making my grandkids laugh, making funny faces, teasing them. Uh, when you laugh, it makes you feel good. You can't help but smile. Laughter is a good medicine. Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Have you not laughed in a while? Have you not been happy in a while? You know, blessed are those. The word blessed means be happy. We should be happy. Is it because you're bearing bad fruit, fruit that just makes you more miserable, or are you bearing good fruit? Gratitude is the right attitude. It makes us humble. It makes us realize that we are dependent on God. When we are grateful for something, we acknowledge the gift and the giver. When we praise and thank God for everything we have, when we name those blessings, we declare our dependence on God. And that is the right position we should be in. If you're disappointed, if you're upset, if you're frustrated, if you're mad, angry, jealous towards someone, I encourage you to take a moment, talk to God, and count your blessings. Like the hymn says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Just start naming them. Then you realize how rich your life is. When I'm discouraged or disappointed, I count my blessings. I center my focus on God. Maybe it's just like, God, I, I thank you that I'm alive. God, I think I, I feel good. Maybe if you're struggling with your spouse, you need to remember that God gave you that spouse and how she or he blessed your lives and all the good qualities. You won't just focus on the bad and count your blessing about your kids or your material resources your relationships, the last time you laughed in a, at, a, at a joke. We need to count our blessings and name them one by one, and you'll get over your discouragement and disappointment because you center your thinking on God. Next thing we need to do is enjoy God's blessings and benefits. The biggest lie in the world is that if you become a Christian, you're going to be, your life will be rigid, you won't have any more fun, and you'll just have the sour face on your look. No, the farthest thing from it. You are to enjoy God's blessings and benefits. 1 Timothy 4.4, For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. <coughs> Excuse me. God gave us this world, and he gave us his word for our blessing and benefit. He wants us to enjoy our blessing. He wants us to grow and thrive physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. He wants us to bear good fruit that will multiply and increase when we use it for God's glory. I am going to get my water. Sorry. I already sang, so what more can I embarrass myself with? I'll put it back. All right. God wants us to bear good fruit that brings glory to him. You know, one of the special gifts that God gives us is the ability to learn. Isn't that amazing? We can learn new things. That's what separates us from the animals. Uh, when I retire, people keep asking me, what are you going to do? I'm like, seriously, you're retired. Retired people are going to ask me what I'm going to do when I retire. I'm like, what do you, same thing you do. Sit around and do nothing. <laughs> but actually, when I retire, I'm going to work on a few new skills, okay? Uh, I've always wanted to learn photography, so maybe I'll learn, on, uh, learn some photography skills. 
my grandkids want me to learn to juggle. Okay, I'm good at two balls, I can almost do three, but they want to see me move to juggling four balls. So I might go on YouTube <laughs> and practice that. But the thing I really want to do that I've never really heard told anybody about is I want to learn to draw cartoons. And so I've drawn cartoons in the past, and uh, it's not a, an ability or gift I have, but it's something I want to do because I love to learn. And I don't know if you get this cartoon. Uh, this guy, I'm a, I collect old fishing lures, and sometimes to get old, the special fishing lure you want from made 100 years ago, you have to trade for it. And so the picture is Norm finally had his lure, though he had to trade a little bit more than expected. Okay, anybody get that? Does anybody get that? Okay, I don't know. So if you didn't get it, come see me. I will explain it to you. Or maybe I have no skill at all. I don't know. Uh, I got paid $50 for drawing that cartoon, just so you know. So, I'm a borderline professional. Uh, the third one. Go and do God's good work. Go and do God's good work. That's why God made you. That's why you are God's workmanship, made uh, ahead of time to do God's work in advance. We don't use God's riches to sin, but to serve. God expects us to bear good fruit and to help others bear good fruit. This happens when we plant the seeds of the gospel in people's hearts. When we share our testimony, when we share scripture, then we water it with love and kindness and instruction and share God's word. We need to bring, bear good fruit and bear good fruit in the lives of others. 1 Corinthians 5, 6, Apostle Paul speaking. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither who who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. God expects us to work, uh, to do the work. He assigns each of us different type of work. But it boils down to, invent, to putting God's word as seeds in people's heart. And as we word, water it and nourish it with our love and kindness and instruction, we want those seeds to take root in people's hearts so that they will believe and commit their lives to Christ. And then they will bear good fruit. When you bear good fruit in your own life, when you work in another life and you bear good fruit, man, it is rich. It is rewarding. It's the ultimate joy and contentment. It fills your life with peace. I will tell you this, you are never closer to God than when you walk in obedience to him and you see the fruit grow. Maybe it's just a little bit of fruit. Maybe it's a lot of fruit. But when you walk in obedience to God, in his word, and you see that fruit grow in your life, in the lives of others, you are never closer to God. So let me ask you this question. What is this question up here? What is the condition of your vineyard? What kind of fruit are you producing in your life? Do you realize that you're always angry and upset? Maybe you're jealous and envious of others. Are you depressed? You don't have to live this way. If you're producing bad fruit and you feel bad, you don't have to live that way. On the other hand, maybe some of you are producing no fruit at all. You're not doing bad and you're not doing good. You're basically wasting your life. Bearing no fruit is just as bad as bearing bad fruit. In fact, Jesus says, you know, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. It doesn't taste 
very good. Are you bearing bad fruit that brings glory, that is uh, sinful to God? Are you bearing no fruit, which is a sin? Are you bearing good fruit? What do you want to do? If you say, no, you know, I understand this now. I have been lazy. I haven't been attentive. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to go work the harvest field. So you must ask yourself, what do I need to start doing today that will please God? What do I need to start doing today is to start bearing spiritual fruit. Who do I need to start praying for? What ministry do I need a servant? Maybe I need to confess that sin, that addiction, that, that hang-up or hurt I have. What new commitment do I need to make to the Lord? Do I need to recommit myself to the Lord? What steps of obedience do I need to become a better disciple? Maybe I need to just trust in Jesus as my Savior and Lord because I never put my faith in Christ. I don't have the seeds of the gospel in me, <coughs> so I can't bear any fruit. Instead of a wasted life, you can have a wonderful life. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Have you put your faith in him? Uh, if you haven't, I encourage you to think about it. If you're not sure if you're a Christian, you're probably not a Christian. If you haven't talked to God in a while, maybe you need to talk to God and have an honest talk with him. Here at Northwest, we want to help you know and trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. We want to also help you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So think about this question. What is the condition of your vineyard this week? And pray about what God wants you to do. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you made us, that we are your vineyard, that you made us and gave us life, and you placed us in this world, and you had great and glorious plans for our lives. But we know, Father, we have sinned against you. We, we have disobeyed you. We've been careless and prideful, and because of it, we have sinned and borne bad fruit. But we know, Father, that you loved us so much that you want to forgive us of our sins to make us whole again, that we can be uh, your delight again and joy. And so Jesus died for us and rose from the dead, and offers us forgiveness when we trust in him and put our faith in him. Father, I pray that if there's someone here today who does not know you, who is not confident of their salvation, that they will trust in Jesus as their Savior and Lord today and worship you and love you. I pray for my brother or sister who's here today that they will honestly ask this question about the condition of their life. And if they know it's not pleasing to you, Father, they will take steps to get right with you. Maybe they have a hard uh, attitude or addiction hang up or hurt that's bugging them, a habit that's bugging them. Father, we want to help them, <clears throat> make them whole and right with you. I pray, Father, that we'll be righteous and we practice justice. For we worship and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go and uh, move to our Lord's Supper. Uh, if you need a Lord's Supper mini kit, uh, just raise your hand and we will get you one. And if you're at home and, and you need to Get your elements, go ahead. So we're just going to take a minute. Uh, Gary, the side. We know that uh, we've been talking about good fruit and bad fruit. And we know that uh, God expected good fruit, but he only got bad. That's a sign that we have sinned against God and fallen short of the glory of God. And God knows that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So God sent Jesus to us to teach us to love us, 
but ultimately to die on the cross for our sin and rise from the dead to give us eternal life, to pay our sin debt. And so today as we worship with you the Lord's Supper, the bread represents the body of Christ which was given up for us. The cup, the juice, represents the blood of Christ which was shed for the remissions of our sins. So as we practice the Lord's Supper today, uh, let's remember what Jesus did and never, never forget it. And let's proclaim his death until Christ returns. So uh, if you want to go ahead and get ready to pull the top layer of your cup off. And Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then with the cup, Jesus said, this cup is a new covenant that is in my blood. Do this when you drink it in remembrance of me. All right, let's stand as we sing our, our closing benediction. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred mind is like to that above. Thank you for worshiping. Oh. <laughs> well, let's just keep embarrassing myself. Thank you. See, I did that on purpose just to make you laugh. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Have a great week. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to the other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.